0: Thank you so much for joining us for Market Sense today. I'm Heather Hedges with Fidelity. And as usual, we've got a lot to talk about today, beginning again with the S&P 500, which finished above 5,000 for the first time ever on Friday, with tech stocks and AI showing no signs of stopping. Also, there's some new inflation data to get to, which we're going to have to to talk about too today and break down. So to talk about what this all means for investors is Urien Timmer, Fidelity's Director of Global Macro. Also today, we are thrilled to welcome Meredith Stoddard here, and she's a Vice President here of Engagement. And she's here today to talk to us about the topic of love and money and how financial uh, decisions can affect relationships which of course is the perfect topic with valentine's day right around the corner right now so thank you both of us both of you for joining us uh and uh how's everybody doing today so glad to be on today thanks for having me
1: great to see you thank you welcome to the show meredith
0: thanks irian um, before we begin, we're so excited to have you, Meredith. Uh, we do want to let viewers know that viewers can leave a question for Meredith or Urian. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube or LinkedIn, or if you're watching on the Fidelity website, click the box that says Slido. There's a Q&A tab there. And that's the way you can ask us a question or take our viewer poll. And we do read all of your comments. I truly mean that. So keep those questions coming. And with that, today is Tuesday, February 13th. And before we start digging into the relationship talk, we do want to talk about the S&P 500 again, as I mentioned, because it is on fire, uh, keeping this winter's day feeling warm when you think about what's going on right now with equities. Uh, Yuri, and as you've been noting here for a long time, though, it is still being led by the so-called Magnificent Seven. So first question for you is, when do you think the rest of the stocks will catch up to those leaders, and also catch us up on the other late, latest market news. As I mentioned, we do have some inflation data and some other earnings reports to uh, digest here.
1: Yeah, so there's a uh, uh, plenty going on as you as you mentioned. S and P made uh, went above five thousand for the first time last week. It's giving back some today because we. Uh, We had an inflation report that came in, uh, a little hotter than expected. They still, still overall heading in the right, in the right direction. You know, the CPI is up 3.1% from a year ago. Uh, certainly a lot better than what it was, which was 9% a a year and a half ago. Um, but the core CPI, so excluding the more volatile food and energy components, still, um, at a 3.9% increase. And that, you know, that's proving to be a little bit stubborn. So the market's having a little bit of a, of an indigestion today, kind of, you know, uh, walking back some of the, uh, the premature enthusiasm about the Fed cutting rates I do think that that's still coming but uh the fed itself had said that you know march is probably too soon and certainly the, the number of rate cuts expected by the markets uh, which was which was about 6 or 7 uh was too high and and we've been talking about that um and and so the market's just sort of walking back some of that um that 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 enthusiasm but uh but you know the market Other than today has had some good momentum. It made a new all time high in January for the first time, uh, in over two years. Um, and that generally is, is a good sign. But as you mentioned, you know, there's always caveats and nuances. And one of the caveats to this, uh, new all time high is that it has been unaccompanied by the broader market. So the S and P 500 equal weighted index, which I think is a good way to look at the markets and by stripping out the, the magnified impact of the Magnificent Seven um, uh, is not quite yet at a new all-time high. And the Russell 2000 actually is still uh, close to being in a bear market. It's down about 15% from its high. So this is not a uniform rally, but history does suggest that the generals often lead the soldiers in this regard and that the rest of the market, uh, will, you know, likely eventually catch up to, to, to these generals. Um, and so far, you know, the earnings season, uh, which we're getting towards the end of 351 companies out of the S and P 500 have reported, uh, typical fair 80% beating estimates by about seven percentage points. So earnings are coming through, which is an important consideration for this year because we've had a fair amount of rally already all driven by an expansion in the PE multiple in the valuation. And that's fairly normal in an early phase of a bull market. But that baton does need to get past uh, to earnings. And it looks like that's what's happening.
0: Okay. So given that, what does that mean for where we are in the economic cycle, which is something I ask you about a lot here, Yurian? But if the Fed does achieve a soft landing, how do we still – Reconcile the fact that the yield curve is still inverted, which I know, as you frequently mention here on Market Sense, Yurian uh, has predicted every recession since what 1969? Is that right? Uh,
1: yes, it ha- it has a-, a perfect track record, uh, although it's a very frustrating in indicator because the leads and lags uh, have been very, very uh, all over the place. Let's put it okay. that way. Okay.
0: Okay. So how do we reconcile that and? And that's actually a question that was on one of our viewers' minds, too, that I wanted to put on the screen because our viewer, Gilbert L., asked this you know, same sentiment here. How do you explain the fact that the inverted yield curve and leading indicators are going down, but the stock market is going up? What would you, be your response to Gilbert's question there, Urian
1: It's a great question, and it's one that's gnawing at all of us who are in, in the business because... By all accounts, it looks like the Fed has sort of stuck the landing, that we're getting that soft landing. The economy has proven to be quite resilient. Uh, Inflation has come down, today's uh, report notwithstanding. Earnings uh, have inflected. They bottomed, it looks like, in the third quarter of last year, and they've started to improve. Um, And even some of of the economic indicators, like the PMI, which is a manufacturing survey, uh, appears to be rebounding here here and so th- there seems to be a lot of ev- uh, evidence that the economy has soft landed and has survived this massive uh, increase in interest rates from the last couple of years but that yield curve is still out there. It is still inverted. And, you know, I never want to be the one who says that this time is different because those tend to be famous last words. But, you know, this whole cycle has been, of course, extremely unusual, right? I mean, we had the pandemic, we had all of that fiscal and monetary stimulus. And so this has been a an upside down kind of market cycle anyway. So if there was ever a time that the yield curve may be sent uh, a false signal, this would be it. But again, we don't want to say this time is different. So it remains something that's hanging over the markets a little bit. Um, and, you know, there are legitimate reasons why the yield curve may not be packing the punch that it normally does. Because if you think about the yield curve, all really what it says is that Banks are unwilling to lend money because an inverted yield curve means that short-term rates are above long-term rates, which if you're a bank and you're borrowing short and you're lending long, that's not what you want to see. It like that affects your your interest margins, et cetera. And so historically an inverted curve has meant that banks are less willing to lend money. And when that money spigot is shut off, you know, the economy goes into a recession. So that's been traditionally the the, the transmission signal. But there's all kinds of reasons why that might be different. You know, there's a big private credit market that doesn't need the banks. Um there the term premium is negative where it normally is positive. You know, but there there's a whole laundry list of, of, of exceptions. And then and then even if the yield curve is still infallible and it still works the leads and lags of when it actually has an impact on the markets or the economy can be as short as six months and as long as two years. So there is no easy playbook for this. Um, and so at the end of the day, for most investors, you know, having a balanced portfolio that hopefully survives all kinds of ups and downs uh, is still the way to go rather than trying to time your way around you know the, these the, these indicators
0: okay you' in sound advice there and um, yeah I, I- in mortgage rates, people being locked into low mortgage rates. I know that's another reason that you've said that maybe the, the traction really hasn't been there for for what the Fed's been trying to do. Uh, good explanation there. Um, I do want to try to get, though, to Meredith here, um, because as I mentioned off the top of the show, uh, Fidelity just released an annual study, which we look forward to, uh, about how people in long-term committed relationships handle their finances and communicate about their future goals. And obviously on the show, we're always talking about you know, what the economy means for investors. So we want to kind of dig into this topic a little bit because it does affect your finances and the money that you have left to invest. Uh, And Meredith, this survey is always particularly timed with what's probably top of mind for people right now, love and relationships. Um, I don't want to sound weird, but maybe this is something that you might want to consider discussing over your Valentine's Day dinner. I think getting on the same page financially can be kind of romantic would you agree and and if if you agree you know tell us give us some ammunition here walk us through some of the findings of this survey that we should discuss with our partner at the dinner table
2: Yeah, it's probably not a big surprise that I do agree, Um, and money may not seem on the surface as romantic as the right card or some good chocolates. Having harmony on money matters really can be an important part of a great relationship. Fidelity's been conducting this study since 2007, so we survey couples both individually and then as a couple and bring their answers together to identify where the partners are aligned and where they differ. It's always really insightful because some people who may think they have a great system for communication actually differ on quite a few topics related to finances, Mm -hmm. these conversations about money can feel daunting for many couples, especially when they have different knowledge levels, different priorities and experiences around how they should spend, save or invest. And this wouldn't be too surprising, but we did find that communication is key to helping couples feel more confident as they navigate financial topics and expectations. And we also found that transparency and ongoing dialogue were really critical to ensuring couples were aligned on goals, priorities,
0: roles, and responsibilities. All right, speaking of alignment, so what happens if couples don't have <laughs> matched financial perspectives? What if it is a little bit mismatched, Meredith? Then what?
2: Yeah. Well, and frankly, it's more common to have people a little off course. So, for example, um, one in four couples tell us that money is actually their greatest relationship challenge. And 45 percent of couples say that they argue about money at least occasionally. So you are definitely far from alone if you fall in either of these camps. Those numbers are even higher with younger couples in their 20s and 30s who are struggling to pay the bills. When something's challenging, it it sometimes makes people afraid to try to face it. And before we talk about some tips around how to do that, here's a look at some of the biggest areas of disconnect when it comes to communication. So not surprisingly, retirement savings was at the top of the list with over half of the couples feeling misaligned when it comes to having enough saved. And that's followed closely by disagreements around investment decisions. 47% of the couples disagree on how much risk they're comfortable taking. And the last two might be surprising to a lot of people with 34% disagreeing on what their next big savings goal should be as a family. And more than a third or 36% did not have the correct understanding of how much income their partner is making. About a quarter of people we surveyed say that they get frustrated by their partner's money habits, but they let it go for the sake of keeping the peace.
0: Well, uh, by the way, I should probably have pointed this out at the top of the show, Meredith, but I want to emphasize here, we're not just talking about married couples, right? We're talking about anybody who is in a committed relationship, right? So think, yeah, and it's both uh,
2: male-female or or um, same-sex couples. That we didn't discern between those, and that's with good reason because a lot of the themes and trends were, were sort of similar.
0: Yeah, I think that's important to distinguish there. So this conversation hopefully applies to a lot of our viewers. And I think uh, something, you know, I can identify with and maybe our viewers can identify with, too, is what you were talking about, about frustration from one partner feeling you know, like the other partner isn't practicing the way that you would preach or or, or spending the way that you would spend yeah. or save. For me, for example, I talk about a lot on the show about how we spend so much money on groceries because I have yeah. younger kids, right? And then I discover when I looked at my husband's credit card bill that he's eating out at lunch like every single day when he's in the office, and he's he's always in the office. So, um, uh, you know, that was frustrating because we're spending yeah. so much with inflation on that grocery uh, list there. Um, so you know, do you have any advice for that and and How common is that too when one person feels like they're always taking the reins and they're the primary financial decision maker and the other person in the relationship is taking the backseat. Is that common? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And first of all, say you want to set up a situation that's going to work for you. Some couples do want to kind of micromanage every dollar. Others feel like, you know what, let's create an hours bucket and then a mine and a yours. And then that enables you to have a little autonomy and flexibility with the smaller purchases. So whatever works for you is totally fine. We're definitely seeing some gender divides um, around relationships retirement and investment planning so some of those long-term um aspects so 31 percent of men and heterosexual couples say that they take the lead here compared to half as many or 16
0: percent of women thankfully over the you and years I were actually talking about that not to yeah. interrupt you but we were just talking yeah. about that before the show and how common that is and i think in, our, yes. in a woman's defense we we take on a lot of the you know nurturing roles sometimes so i don't want to be too stereotypical here, but we take on other things, right? So sometimes we might outsource to the to the husband in the relationship or the male in the relationship um and say, Hey, you gotta do something. And that's how the the men maybe traditionally end up taking on the finances. Do you find that? Oh, absolutely. The, the I mean,
2: we I think we just talked about um, summer camp in January around here is when everything is intense, and that can be hours and hours worth of work. And so there's a point at right. which when you're taking on a lot of the day to day logistics and emotional labor, that something's gotta give. But right. the reality reality is that we found that one in five primary decision makers we surveyed who were taking the reins said that they, they actually resented handling a lot of these financial matters alone and then the other partner resented being left out of them. So it really creates a great opportunity to reset. So whether your relationship follows tra- traditional gender norms or not, uh, um, mine is actually inverted, it's important that you don't get stuck in certain roles in perpetuity because that's what you started out doing. It's really valuable to come to the table regularly and have these conversations around what's working. what's not working and increase your knowledge so take the time to brush up on some of these little things like what's a Roth or how should I prioritize these things Um, it doesn't take a lot of time and frankly you know you probably spend more time planning a vacation or an outing on a weekend Um, so it's a small investment of time over time really adds up so take that time to understand each other align on what you're working towards frankly women are far more likely to credit their partners with having a better understanding of investing matters but that may not always be true and even if it is accurate in some areas, it may not be accurate in all areas. So, regular conversations can be a great opportunity to upskill each other, even cross train, and ensure that your voice and everyone's voice is equally at the table so that you can have these co
0: created financial decisions over the years that you can both feel aligned on. I love that co-created financial decisions and you know, maybe you're missing something or maybe your partner's missing something. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have a second set of eyes on a plan, right? Especially when it's your money, it's something so important, right? Exactly. Um, Yuri. let's bring you in here too. I mean, anything that you would add about the importance of open communication and your finances to this conversation?
1: I mean, you know, as is always the case in relationships, uh, communications uh, uh, are essential and whether there's a primary earner or two earners, um, You know, putting that, putting those savings away in your 401k, your IRA or whatever it is, um, and then investing it. The right way, and and these days, you know, it's a lot easier to do that than maybe 20 years ago because we have all kinds of lifecycle funds available where you don't have to figure out, you know, what is the proper allocation for me. You can just sort of, you know, in a way, set it and and forget it, and just make those contributions uh, go as far as you can, and then having that conversation about, you know, when when do we retire, and um, and you know, do we have the right expectations for how much money we'll have and you know who's contributing what and these are all good conversations they don't have to be stressful necessarily uh, nobody li- really likes to talk about it but uh, better to have those conversations up front than to actually retire and not be in a position where you thought you were going to end up
0: crucial crucial conversations Yuri and I agree um Meredith any tips for starting that conversation or how couples can go about improving communication Yeah. I mean, just remember these alignments don't happen magically. A couple of
2: key tips are make sure to have regular conversations at an interval that works for you. I mean, some couples love to do this sort of thing weekly. Others find it a bit more painful and don't have that muscle memory. So quarterly is fine if that's what works for you. It's better than letting years go by and just not tackling it. Two is no, you're not gonna figure it all out in one sitting. So don't feel like you've failed if you've only tackled a small little piece in one conversation. And just be patient as you chart your course forward to set yourselves up for success. The sooner you start, the bigger advantage you have in terms of optimizing the trajectory you're on the time to have compounding work in your favor. And um, at the end of the day, whatever your financial goals are, that consistency, that communication can really make sure that you're working together and not against each other. Um, to your example on
0: lunch, are you saving enough and it doesn't matter? Or should you really be cutting back on those lunches? Right, right. Sometimes maybe it doesn't matter. And maybe it will help with your anxiety <laughs> level and your just overall, you know, um, you know, ability to just, reconcile with things if you have an idea of where you are right and peace of mind i guess that's what i'm trying to say um okay so give us some actionable next steps here meredith anybody watching this webcast today what should they do as soon as this webcast is over Yeah, so
2: three tips. So one is bear all financially. It really doesn't matter if you combine accounts or or not, but if you're in a relationship that doesn't already have full transparency, just plan on having a conversation sooner rather than later about where you are with financial matters so that you can tackle debt or start saving for various goals. Two, periodically document what you own and what you owe, as well as what you have coming in and out each month. It sounds so simple, but not that many people take the time to do it. And it really does give you the opportunity to be working with concrete facts, set goals, and go after them as a team and then you can make adjustments over time and then that ties into number three which is those small adjustments over time really pay off whether it's 10 years down the line 20 30 a little bit can go a long way when it comes to the power of compounding and it can really give you peace of mind knowing that you're on the same page working towards something together and that you've done it
0: together yeah that sounds fantastic. Being on the same page. All right, Meredith, fantastic job. Thank you. Very timely conversation. Um, Yurian, before we go, quick time for Timmer's, We have a, a few minutes for a Timmer's take.
1: Um, so, you know, earnings is, uh, is, is starting to wrap up. The numbers have been good. So that's one, one check mark for, you know, uh, a positive resolution, uh, to the start of the year. So I guess the main thing I'm watching is really whether those soldiers, whether and when those soldiers confirm the new highs made by the generals. And that will be an important, I think, milestone for the market when, when that happens. All
0: right. We know you will keep watching that for us. Yurian and Meredith, again, thank you for the fascinating conversation. For more on how to get on the same financial page with a loved one, we have a great resource for you that we want to share with you. Visit fidelity.com slash couples. And there you'll find a range of articles and checklists and tools on the topic of strengthening your financial foundation with your partner, all from our team of in-house financial journalists here at Fidelity. And the QR code on your screen right now will take you to that page. As always, if you have questions about making a financial plan or how to stay on track, fidelity can help call us go online to our website or download fidelity's app to learn more and remember if you missed any part of the discussion today and you want to watch it again or listen you can watch by going to youtube.com fidelity on youtube or search the words market sense on fidelity.com or search market sense in your spotify app store or apple podcast to listen to us on the go so on behalf of Urien and Timmer and Meredith Stoddard, a very happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there who does celebrate uh, and Valentine's Day today, by the way. I'm Heather Hedges. We will see you back here uh, in a bit at the end of the month. We are on Tuesdays at 2 Eastern.
3: about the Fidelity Investments 2024 Couples and Money Study. The 2024 Fidelity Investments Couples and Money Study analyzes retirement and financial expectations and preparedness among 1,794 couples, 3,588 individuals. These are some of the findings of a survey conducted by Ipsos using the Probability-Based Knowledge Panel between October 31, 2023 and November 22, 2023 on behalf of Fidelity Investments. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information herein is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Tax laws and regulations are complex and subject to change, which can materially impact investment results. Fidelity cannot guarantee the information herein is accurate, complete, or timely. Fidelity makes no warranty with regard to such information or results obtained by its use and disclaims any liability arising out of your use of or any tax position taken in reliance on such information. Consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific situation. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of the date indicated based on the information available at that time and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the Fidelity speaker and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is the copyrighted work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or service of these products or services, including fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Investing in stocks involves risks, including loss of principle. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to the increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic developments, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. Fixed income invest entail interest rate risk as interest rates rise bond prices usually fall the risk of issuer or counterparty default issuer credit risk and inflation risk foreign securities are subject to interest rate currency exchange rate economic and political risks all of which are magnified in emerging markets it is not possible to invest directly in an index fidelity wealth services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee advisory services offered by fidelity personal and workplace advisors LLC FPWA, a registered investment advisor discretionary portfolio management services provided by strategic advisors LLC strategic advisors a registered investment advisor broker services provided by Fidelity Broker Services, LLC, FSB and custodial and related services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS. Each a member NYSE and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity Investments companies. This information is intended to be educational and is not tailored to the investment needs of any specific investor. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.